Hey everyone, welcome to Way of Life podcast, where we firmly believe that everyone picks a way in life and what way you pick is extremely important and directly affects how you live. In this podcast, we seek to interview people from all around Australia and beyond on life's most important topics. Whether you're a Christian, a skeptic, or someone with a whole heap of questions, this podcast is for you. My name is Matt, a pastor living in Brisbane, Australia. This is Way of Life Podcast. Alrighty. Alrighty. So, so if, you if you want to come down. back down. Awesome. We can have a little awesome. bit, of a, bit of a break. We've got some awesome questions, awesome questions that have come in. Um, so, Steve, um, so Steve, thanks again. Thanks again. Uh, we've got some uh, awesome we've questions. We're awesome going to start, start off with this what one. Then what then do you then think, do you of, think churches, of churches which partially support or even fully support the LGBT movement? Yeah, that's a great question. Yeah, that's a great question. What... What? How I understand, how I understand that, that question, question is, is what I think do I think of churches that basically, that basically uh, celebrate same-sex um, same attraction and, and the transgender movement as, as, as good as good, and and basically, and basically uh, affirm, uh, affirm the movement as a whole as compatible, as compatible with, with uh, Christianity uh, and as socially, socially uh, beneficial. That's, uh, beneficial. How, I That's how I understand that question. That question. Um, um, and so, and so my, my view, my, my view of, of those churches is basically that they've abandoned, that they've abandoned the Bible, the Bible uh, and, and, uh, and, biblical and, and biblical teachings on sexuality, sexuality and biblical and teachings on the nature of marriage, biblical teachings teachings on the nature of sex and gender. So now you will actually find with those sorts of churches, they will actually, often they'll openly admit that. They'll either say, well, the Bible is outmoded or written in a different culture that's no longer applicable, so we don't really need to pay attention to that. Or they'll suggest things that, well, we've radically misinterpreted these verses. But their arguments are usually pretty, pretty bad. I mean, the classic argument is, you know, oh, you know, you know, uh, you know, one of the one of the texts that we might we might take where we would say, where we would say God has a has a has a dim view of um of um I suppose I suppose acting on same sex attraction is the Sodom and Gomorrah narrative where the well frankly the Sodomites are condemned for their wickedness and the wickedness and the wickedness that the writer of Genesis that's called in Moses. Um, highlights um, actually is actually the fact that, the fact that um, they want to have sex um, um, with, uh, with, uh, the uh, with the men in the house. You all know the story. You, you all know the story. And, uh, and uh, now that's traditionally being taken as evidence. One piece of evidence among many, that, among many that, 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 that the Bible says well, you know, that kind of sexual, that kind of sexual activity is sinful. Those uh, who say no with misinterpreted will say no, no, no. The actual sin of the city and of the men was that they were they were being inhospitable, not that they were trying to fulfill. And, these are, and these are just completely implausible readings of the text, of, of and, you've the text. Other, and you've got other. So, of, so no, my, my, so, my first thing is that they've clearly departed from scripture, which they have no right to do. But secondly, very often it could be a kind of misguided empathy. And what I mean by that is, I have no doubt that in many of these instances, these churches and individual Christians who celebrate these movements and sort of 
jump on board with these movements uh, while, they are, while they are Christians. They have a tremendous sense of compassion and empathy, but it is what I would call misinformed and sort of... And, 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 yeah, sort of misinformed, misinformed compassion and misinformed empathy, which which is kind of like, is kind of like this. this. Say you've got, say you've got someone who, who, who's, addicted who's addicted to some kind of to some kind of substance or some kind of activity, and they're feeling, and they're really, feeling they're really they're having withdrawals. They're feeling really bad. They really want to engage in this activity, yeah. Yeah. and you want to make them and you want to make them feel better. Well, well, a misguided sense of compassion and a misinformed sense of empathy and compassion gives them exactly what they want, so they'll feel. And, and better they'll feel and, better. and they'll and feel, feel better. better and you'll feel better and you kind of and think, oh, kind of think right oh i've done the right thing because what i wanted was to take away their pain and i've done it there we go the problem is the problem is it doesn't necessarily help them or the broader society in the long run because it doesn't solve the problem actually feeds the problem it's what we might call yeah misinformed empathy misinformed compassion which actually winds up with consequences that are quite detrimental and and miserable and Miserable. And so, and so what I would actually, I would affirm, actually affirm, to be honest, to be honest I, would quite I would quite boldly affirm that that affirming, affirming people in their pursuit of their same-sex same attractions and affirming people in their pursuit of a transgender, of a transgender identity, identity is actually, is actually affirming, affirming them on a path that is not good for them, that is probably that is going to be bad for them, and that is actually against creation. It is a path that is against creation because there is a created order that's set out certainly in the early chapters of Genesis, there is an order there. Is an order and, when there. and when you approve people on a path, on a path that is against, that is the, against created the created order, order you, will you will wind up with um, with, um, with all sorts of, with all sorts of maladies. Of maladies. And, and I actually and don't think that it's an accident that in, that in um, gay and lesbian, lesbian communities there are inordinately high levels of domestic violence. That the relationships don't tend to last as long as the relationships, as the relationships between, between men and women. Particularly, particularly among the male gay communities, historically, there have been very, very high rates of sexual assault and incredibly high rates of promiscuity and certainly in the transgender community very very high rates of mental health problems and self-harm why well people will say oh it's because of homophobia i don't think that's true and there are studies that would seriously call that into question again look at my talk on youtube is christianity harmful i cite the studies i think it's actually that when you live against your nature as a human being you come up you against, come up against psychological, psychological brick walls, brick walls um, um, that that are actually are actually just not good for not you. Good for um, you. Um, it's, 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 it's it's actually not, it's actually not good for a man to pretend that he is a woman, or for a man to pretend that another man is, 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 is like a woman. This is not good for us psychologically because you start trying to get what you would normally get out of a woman from a man, and he can't give it to you because he is not a woman. And that leads to frictions and all sorts of things in the relationships, which leads to ill mental health. There is a created order, and so churches that sort 
sort of promote the LGBT movement, I think that at best, it's a kind of misguided, ill-informed compassion. Certainly they are departing from Scripture, obviously often by their own admission. Um, um, and actually, I, and actually, I think that they're, they're, they're going to create a lot more harm than good in the long run. And that's, important. Important. And that's important. A lot of this will, unfold, of this will unfold more in the long run. run. It's, it's, already sort of sort of it's already sort of unfolding now. Um, um, yeah, as opposed yeah, to churches that acknowledge the struggle. Yeah. But don't affirm the the desires. Don't affirm the confusions, and don't call confusions truth. And actually help people to manage these things. I think you'll get much further that way, and that is sort of faithful to scripture. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks, Steve. That's awesome. So, second question we've got is how can we be salt and light when Christian morality is seen as oppressive, harmful, and hateful to certain? Uh, to certain identity groups. Yeah. How can yeah. you be salt and light? That's easy. Be salt and light. How do you be salt and light? Essentially, you essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you. I mean, there are two things here. There could be a sense in which how can we easily be salt and light? That is. Or how can we? Or how can we be salt and light? And 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 people start to like us because of they're sort of different things. But how do you be salt and light? Well, what is it to be salt and light? I mean, to be salt and light is essentially to live. In accordance, in accordance with the teachings of Christ, and, and, and in accordance with the mind and will of God, that's what it is to be salt and light. And why salt and light? Basically, basically, because apart from God, apart from God and apart from Christ, the world, the world is a rotting, is a rotting corpse, and the world, and the world is dark. And salt, and salt is the preservative, is the preservative against, something against something rotting. And light, and light dispels, dispels darkness. And so all you and need so to do to be salt and light is to live up to the teachings of Christ and Scripture. And in this particular instance, the teachings of Christ and Scripture regarding marriage, regarding sexuality, regarding gender, and other things as well, the way we treat other people. So the question of how do you be salt and light, that's actually quite easy. It may be uniquely hard in this day and age. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's always been hard. I'm sure it has been. But here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, the broader context to Christians, to Christians being salt and light today is a culture around us that has disanchored itself, has untethered itself from a biblical understanding of who we are as human beings and a biblical understanding of the moral life. And again, if we take Scripture seriously, that these teachings are true and good, then a culture that untethers itself from them must go down a path of falsehoods, of falsehoods lies, lies, and over time, misery. misery. That is an actual that is prediction, an actual that, you prediction that you can make if, if it is the case that the Christian that the revelation, revelation of who we are as human beings and how we ought to behave is true and, is true and good. And it is. And it is. And so, and so um, 
Um, how do you be how do you be salt and light? Well, you you simply live faithfully, faithfully to what Scripture, to what scripture teaches us. And here's, us. The, good and here's news, the good news, ladies and gentlemen. There's a sense in which the darker, which the darker and, more decrepit, and more decrepit the world gets, gets the saltier, the saltier and, brighter and brighter you are. And that's an incredible. And that's thing. an incredible thing. That the darker the world gets, the brighter you the are. Brighter you and, are. There and there will be people looking for the light. Not everyone. Not everyone. Not everyone will look for the light. Not everyone will want the salt. A lot of people. A lot of people will. And as the world gets darker, and you remain faithful to the teachings of Scripture and to the teachings of Christ in your life as an individual, in our marriages and in our institutions, then we become a light. So bright that it is unmistakable for those looking for the light and looking for the purity. And here's the good news, ladies and gentlemen, that we have a promise from Christ. And it's an underemphasized promise in this day and age. We don't hear it that often, but it's a promise at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. It's in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 to 16. He says, you are the light of the world. The city on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they, Instead, put, it they put it on its stand, and it gives and light to everyone in the house. In the same way, in the let, same your way let your light shine before men, before men that they may that see, see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. When you let your, when you light, let your light shine in a dark world, in a dark world people will people see, will your, good see your good deeds and give praise, and give praise to our Father in heaven. heaven. So, so being salt Being and light, salt in, this and light in this world is not just about setting a good example or anything like that. Anything like it's, that. Really it's really about being that city on a hill, that light, light that people who are searching for, searching for it will see. And the promise of Christ is that that is something that will change other people's lives. Yeah, that's really yeah, that's good. Really good. I, love I love that answer. That was um, awesome. Um, so we've got another question. So we've got another question. How do intersex people fit into this Christian ideology that have both female and uh, male, uh, male reproductive, reproductive yeah. organs. Yeah, a, a, yeah, a, 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 a very tiny minority of people. Of people. Absolutely. But absolutely. Now, from what I can now, understand, I can understand um, usually, usually doctors, doctors um, can figure out pretty clearly what sex uh, the individual uh, the is, is very, very early on. Um, um, maybe not in all instances, even if there is either A, ambiguous genitalia or the genitalia both of male and female, what in the olden days used to be called Hermaphroditism. So yeah. Um, so yeah. Um, well, I mean, well, I mean, look. No one. No is going one to is going to claim. I don't think. I don't think. I don't think many people are going to claim that it is a tragedy. It is a tragedy when, when someone, is born, someone is born in that way. In that way. And people are born. And people are born with many, with many um, anomalies. anomalies uh, many, uh, many um, physical, uh, physical, and, and, even, and, and mental even and mental issues, issues uh, that are that kind of inhibition on certain functions that functions we have as human, have as human so, beings. So, for example, so, someone, born someone born with with brain damage. That is clearly, that is an, clearly inhibition an inhibition on their on cognitive, their cognitive capacities. capacities. And, and that's a tragic and, thing. And a tragic thing. Um, um, someone born with someone ambiguous, born with ambiguous or, or, um, or um, hermaphroditic uh, genitalia. Uh, genitalia. Well, you know, that, well, that's, you know probably, that, that's probably uh, something, uh, of, the something of the same. 
Now that is now that is part and parcel of living in of a, living fallen, in a world. fallen world. But it doesn't, but it doesn't lend, lend any credence to, to the idea that, that gender is just, gender a, social is just a social construct, or that or that or that. Um, um, there are, um, sort of there are sort of multiple genders rather than just male and female. It's an anomalous situation, situation that arises and, and is the exception. And it should never, it should never uh, uh, sort of be judged to be the rule. To give you a sort of example, lots of people, lots of people are born or develop brain damage at some point, at in, their some point in their lives. But no one, no one says that therefore... A proper, uh, a proper conception of, of what it is to have, what a, fully it is to have a fully functioning brain, brain uh, includes the, the, sort of the sorts of things that, that might be a symptom of brain damage. We, we, see, brain we damage see brain damage as something as anomalous, as something anomalous yeah. and that doesn't and that go into our definition of what a properly uh, functioning uh, brain is. And the same thing, like some people are born without or lose a capacity to empathize, maybe through some childhood trauma or or maybe maybe just being born, just with, being it. born with it we we, we, we don't we, we don't therefore say that whether or not whether a human, a human can, empathize can empathize is optional in our definition, in our definition of a well-functioning well person, person. Yeah. And so the anomalies, so the anomalies don't generally, don't generally feed into our definition of what the normal ideal type is. We see them as anomalies. And the same and goes, the same goes for, for ambiguous, ambiguous or by sex organs. It is an anomaly. And again, very, and again, often, very often doctors can tell, uh, uh, you know, basically uh, what the sex of the human being is. Because remember, it's, not, remember, just it's not just genitals that are involved. It's also um, Chromosomes as well. Yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, um, uh, it is a kind, uh, of, a kind of biological package. package. And, and again, you know, if, again, you're, born, you know, if, if you're born, let's say you're born with both sex organs, and you have, and you have um, uh, two X chromosomes. I'm trying to remember back to biology class. You have two X chromosomes, and you have the capacity to. to uh, carry, a carry a child and give birth. And give birth. Well, you know, well, you know you're, a woman. you're 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 a woman born, who's been born uh, with an additional, uh, with sex, an additional organ. sex organ. Um, but you're um, a woman. But you're a woman. Yeah, okay. um, um, uh, so I hope that. that uh, so I hope yeah, that that sort of helps. It doesn't lend any credence to the transgender ideology, which would suggest that that gender is either something that we just make up, or that there are many many kinds of gender out there. And again, we go back to scripture: male and female, he created them. And 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 look. A belief, that's a belief pretty much ubiquitous, pretty much ubiquitous, throughout, ubiquitous history throughout history and culture. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really no, good. That's that really was good. A good. That was a good explanation. Um, um, next question. Next so question. So, how do you so explain feeling and truth, and truth in a Christian in a Christian manner towards people who believe in Jesus, believe in Jesus but, have but have other kind of ideologies with their belief? Yeah. Yeah. So, so I mean, there are a lot of. It's funny, you know. Um, it's funny, you know. Um, when Christianity starts spreading, starts spreading throughout, the world, throughout the world, it doesn't spread in a religious vacuum. It spreads in a culture of different kinds of paganism, which meant which that meant many people, that many who, people became who became Christians still retained some elements, some of, their elements of their paganism. Uh, there are lots of books, uh, there are lots of books on this sort of thing. It's called syncretism, where you have where you identify as a Christian, but part of your Christianity are other things that actually don't really belong to Christianity at all. And nowadays, they're probably I would say. I would say, for example, a Christian, a Christian who, 
who jumps on board, jumps on board enthusiastically, enthusiastically with the LGBT, with the LGBT movement, movement and affirms all, and affirms of, that. all of that. I would say that's an element of syncretism. They've actually bought into some of the neo-paganism of the modern world, of the modern world uh, in the, uh, in the, like, like in, in, the, in the, the early Christian period where people uh, did similar uh, did things. Similar things. Uh, so what do you say, uh, so what do you to, say someone like to someone well, like that? Well, I think first of all, you've got to actually be on top of your own game. You've got to know your own Bible. You've got to have done a fair bit of reading yourself so you're very, very clear in what you believe. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't be saying all that much to them because it'll probably just lead to more confusion and and, and it could lead to an argument, which is not necessarily what you want. But, you know, what you would probably say to them after you had done a lot of reading and thinking yourself is basically, basically, okay, well, what is your understanding of, of, um, of um, I mean, it depends. I mean, it depends. Again, it really depends, again, it really depends on, on what particular what issues, particular issues um, um, you're, we're talking you're about. We're talking about. Is this someone who jumps onto the LGBT movement? Is it someone that jumps onto, for example, something like Black Lives Matter or critical race theory? Is it someone that calls himself a Christian but jumps onto a form of maybe political libertarianism where they they don't believe that, um, that the, um, government the, the government should help people who are poor or something like that. There are all sorts of you know, suspicious ways that you can, ways that you can sort of maybe deviate from sort of Christian, teaching. Christian so, teaching. So, yeah, you, you, you would yeah, basically you, you would want to just start interrogating them. And I think that's just another word for asking questions about exactly what their Christianity consists of, what they think about these particular verses in the Bible, how they would reconcile them with this thing. So, it's a very, very good question. Very good question. It's, just, it's, it's just a, it's a bit hard to answer in the abstract. But the first piece of advice I would give you is really know, is your, really own know your own stuff be first. Be clear on what you believe, and before you, and before you approach them with it, try to learn try to learn something about where they're coming and from. And there are many good, ways, many good ways of doing that. One great way is really just asking them and talking to them. So don't go into this trying to fix them. Go into it trying to figure out where they're coming from. And if you do genuinely see. Uh, some problems, some problems between, between their, identity their identity as a Christian and some of these beliefs, of these that, they beliefs have, that they have. Yeah, you might, yeah, you might gently ask them um, or, or say to them that they seem to you to be in tension with one another. Does it, another? Like Does it seem like that to and you? Get and get a conversation going. going. Yeah, that's really. Yeah, good. that's like really that. good. I like that. Um, um, we might do. We might do one more. Question, one more question, maybe two. How do you? How do you believe that feeling has influenced our view? A view of, of, of the biblical of biblical truth. Were early scholars, were early scholars not, influenced not influenced by their feelings? That's a really great I mean, question. I mean, all human beings uh, are influenced uh, by their feelings. Uh, it's part of what it is to be human. Um, um, I, I think at the I, end, think of, the at day, the end day, of the day. Feelings, feelings are real, are real, but they don't, but they don't necessarily reflect the reality, the reality that they're referring, that they're referring to. to. So, for example, so for example the, if, if, for example, if, if for example, someone says something, says something, and you feel, that and you feel that they have insulted you, it's actually possible, it's actually they, possible haven't they haven't insulted you at you all. Either You've either misunderstood them or misheard them. Or misheard them. But, the feeling but the feeling that they have insulted, that they have insulted you is a real feeling. But it's actually, but it's actually um, um, false. Uh, you know, what, uh, what, you know, what, it what it is claiming, or what it's sort of 
based on based is on actually not is actually true. not true. And so feelings, and so feelings themselves, themselves are not necessarily the best indicators for truth. Particularly feelings of fallen human beings, where we're very, where likely, we're very likely to, uh, to uh, feel things, uh, feel that, we things no that we have no right to feel when we feel that or when we think that our that our pride, pride has been assaulted, or we think that we've been deprived of something that we deserve, or when we think that yeah we haven't been affirmed, you know, or judged with the worth that we think we should, that we think be, judged we should be judged with, or, or, things, or, like or things like that. So we should actually immediately we should be both as fallen human beings. We need to be suspicious both of our intellects and of our feelings. We really do, and both of them need to be anchored to scripture. The need to be anchored to scripture. Now, someone immediately is saying, but we interpret, but we interpret scripture, through through scripture through our feelings and through our fallen, fallen intellect. So, how does that work? Well, the answer, the, the answer that to that is that we, that need, to we need to read scripture prayerfully, prayerfully asking Holy asking Spirit, Holy Spirit to, be to be guiding us and giving us a, heart, and giving a, us a humble heart. heart. And that is a supernatural intervention from God, from God aiding us in His work. In his work. But, also but also, we want to read scripture humbly. humbly and you read it humbly when you are reading it and discussing it with other other godly people. And when you're doing your scripture reading in that kind of context, then your understanding of who God is, who you are, your relationship with God and your relationship with other people is far less likely to be corrupted by misguided feelings and misguided thoughts. Which, Both of which uh, are heavily influenced by a whole lot of things out there, which you really, which need, you to really need to be aware of, which is kind of what I've tried to summarise over the last hour, hour I suppose. But, but really, yeah, you know, you're, never you're, you're never necessarily going to completely, going to completely eliminate the, the influence of your own sort of intellect, if you, intellect like, if you like, and your feelings, and your feelings. You but you actually do need them both when you're reading, uh, the, when you're Bible. reading the Bible. But you're never going to completely, gonna completely mitigate, their mitigate their influence. But what you can but do, you can do as, much as, as much as possible, prayerfully, prayerfully is, is, is put yourself in a situation where it's most, where it's likely, most likely that what you read, that what in, you scripture read in Scripture will be exactly, exactly what Scripture says, again, through prayer and through reading with other godly people and listening to people as well the that's way. the best way that's awesome that's Steve. awesome Steve. So I kind of wanted, wanted to end the Q&A on a bit of a funny note so we had a question so we had a question wonder uh, uh, saw, saw the guitar behind you there I was wondering if you could play Wonderwall for us just a cheeky little session for us yeah, well, you know, yeah, I used to, well, you know, I used to play that in a band back in the late nineties, oh, believe it or not. Um, uh, but unfortunately, uh, but unfortunately, the guitar behind me has no strings on it. The actual the guitar's broken, basically. I do actually have another. I do have a beautiful Gibson Les Paul Black Beauty custom that I'm looking at on my couch right now, but it's kind of on the other side of the room, so I don't. I think I'll do that. Great band, great album, brings back some memories. Good choice of a song. Song, but I'm afraid I won't indulge this time around. Maybe next time. Out of curiosity, what was your band's name? Um, um, at that point, at when, that we point playing, when we were playing, yeah, it was called, the band was called Guess. Yeah. 
guess. And, um, and um, yeah, you've never heard yeah, of it because, it, heard it, of it because it never went anywhere. I mean, I dropped out of high school actually to be a, a, a full-time guitarist, and, and clearly it never worked out, and here I am doing this. But the dream has not quite died. And Oh, well, I'm a lounge room superstar. That's good. That's good. Well, everyone knows your secret now. Steve, thank you so much for again taking of your time. Really really loved having you on the podcast. I hope for everyone that's listened, it was thought-provoking at the very least. Be awesome to have some conversation around some of the points that he's made and kind of wrestle with that like I was encouraging us to do at the start. And if you want to share this around, we'd love that. We'd love this to be an influence and be able to help be able to help other people to have different conversations around these kind of topics. Then that would be awesome. But I reckon let's give Stephen a bit of a hand for his time. That was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank guys. you so much, really guys. I really appreciate it again. Thanks, for, thanks for turning up and thanks for tuning in. Pleasure. Thanks, Steve. I'll talk to you soon, I, I imagine. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you, Matthew. God bless. Thank you, Matthew. God bless.